It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have two lens. My co-host, Seven Lens, my husband, Pat. Good afternoon, Seven and Patrick. How are you? Good. How are you? We're well here. <laughs> the sun is out so far. Nothing wrong with that. It's all good. Patrick, let me ask you a question. Just kind of jumping right into it. Um, when Now, I hear that you are a, a music fan. What was the first song you heard that opened your eyes to being a fan of the sound or, or any sound? Oh, wow. Uh, I think, uh, probably some, uh, Beach Boys songs that, uh, were on the, uh, AM radio a channel that we'd listen to on a, a Saturday morning. Um, they just um, had these harmonies and these um, riffs that were just real catchy, and uh, it just made me want to hear more. Now, the Beach Boys from California, you grew up in Pennsylvania. What Outside of the riffs and harmonies, what drew you to their sound? Was it just the vibe? Was it just the different musicianship? What made you a diehard Beach Boys fan? Um, you know, they they would tell these stories. And, um, you know, it was real simple. But, uh, you know, it was an experience of something that I, you know, I never had any yeah, experience with. Like, uh, you know, the beach and, um, um, you know, car racing and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I think one of the tricks they did, is, and I didn't know this until many years later, is uh, they would double-track the vocals, and it just made the um, 
the recording really um, bright, and uh, I think that made them stand out from other uh, other uh, groups, um, you know, that I that that were on the radio. Now, they have to be. If you look back in music, they have to be one of the most prodigious or prodigious acts of all time. They put out. I want to say at least a dozen albums in the first seven years of like of uh, studio albums. Yeah, there's at least two studio albums a year, I think, and sometimes three. Now, I also know that you are a Beatles fan. Yes. Now, knowing the composition of both groups, if you had to carve out a four-member group comprised of the four, of uh, four of any combination of four between those two bands, who makes the cut and why? We uh, talked about this. Um, you put it out as a question. I got so excited about it, and I threw it out to him, and I was like, I don't know what i do for a drummer, and he actually told me how to solve the drummer problem. So, um, yeah, McCartney played drums. He played drums on some of the Beatles tracks. So, I mean, if you want to, you know, well... Let's face it, um, Dennis Wilson, he was a good drummer for, for tours and stuff, but you know most of the drumming on the uh, recordings, it, it wasn't him. So, and, uh, you know, Ringo, he's a good drummer, but um, he really doesn't sing. So I would think you'd have to put McCartney um, in as your drummer. Um, Carl Wilson has, or had, one of the best voices I think there is in rock, so I would think you'd have to have him. Um, O'Brien, he, he was he'd play bass whenever he was touring with them, so you could have him as a bassist. And then of course you know you got one slot left, so um, yeah, who do you pick? Do you pick. Um, um, I, I would probably have to pick John Lennon for that. Um, certainly. Um, uh, you know, Mike Love. He's a frontman, but he he didn't doesn't really play an instrument. Um, like I said, um, you know, Al Jardine. He's he's okay, but you know, if you want a four person group with with people from each uh, band, I I think that's who I would pick. Who writes the music? Oh, who writes well, the lyrics? And- I think, you know, they all wrote songs. Um, yeah, certainly the Beach Boys are, you know, known as, you know, Brian Wilson, you know, he was their their big songwriter. But, you know, after he kind of wasn't in the picture from his uh, mental health and drug issues, um, Carl Wilson, you know, started composing a lot of the songs. Um, he was pretty much the... Uh, the band leader, particularly when they're on tours. So, you know, I think you would have, you know, four excellent songwriters who um, I think would collaborate very well. Um, I've been listening to the um, um, Let It Be uh, box set release, and um, there's a lot of uh, you know, in-studio recordings of them working on songs, and... Um, you know, Lennon McCartney, then in, you know, 69, they were still working really well together in that, 
um, arrangement to help um, work on on the songs that they produced. Heck, they were even helping uh, Harrison with some of his um, uh, parts of uh, trying to to compose some things. So, um, but yeah, I would think that the um, I guess super group of the Wilson brothers and Lennon and McCartney would be uh, would be a really great experience. Now, when each band kind of not broke up because the um, the Beach Boys has kept produced material, but the uh, Beatles, you know, they eventually broke up. Do you think that their void that they left was something that, I guess, rock music in general, they took about a decade to recover from, or do, do you think there was somebody to jump into the breach and kind of be that transition point for the new sound of the 70s? Well, the um, the Rolling Stones had really uh, been advancing. I mean, if you uh, think about uh, some of their big st- things they put out, like Exile on Main Street and Sticky Fingers, um, they they were really there in the early 70s. Uh, Led Zeppelin was becoming a, a mammoth group. Um, you know, they had um, Led Zeppelin three was in 1970 and and. You know, Zeppelin IV was in 71. Uh, the Who really emerged as a, um, a rock force then. In fact, um, you know, Tommy gets a lot of the, uh, you know, the big praise, but uh, I think Who's Next is mm-hmm. probably one of the top five, you know, classic rock albums that, that someone should hear. Um, so, I think, you know, the Beatles... Breaking up, um, you know, they they continue to put out put out music. In fact, um, I think some of Harrison's recordings, particularly on the All Things Must Pass, were much better than uh, what he had had um, there at the end of the Beatles. Um, so, you know, just because they you know broke up, I. I think uh, there were these other groups to uh, that had really actually come into uh, uh, influencing uh, rock um, from then on. In that era, um, the, um, some of the best um, albums the Beach Boys came out with uh, were in '70 and '71 with uh, Sunflower and uh, Surfs Up. Um, you know, you listen to those albums. There's some great songwriting and, and lyrics, and uh, they they just don't get the uh, the praise that like Pet Sounds did. Um, and the majority of those songs uh, were uh, penned by uh, Carl Wilson and, and Dennis Wilson. So um, they certainly, you know, the Beach Boys going into their their decline with uh, what happened with uh, you know Brian. Uh, basically uh dropping out and uh the um coming of uh free love uh uh from 67 um they really uh, they were really a pretty solid uh band back in the early 70s now we'll we'll definitely get back to the 70s in a second uh 70s second, but i need to ask you a pet songs two pet songs questions one is it the greatest rock album 
in the history of rock? And two, do you believe as though you listen to the album numerous times that there's still they left some meat on the bone as far as there's still like a like something more they could have done with it? Well, Pet Sounds is it's it, whenever you think of a rock album, it's I don't think it's truly like a rock album, like, you know, Led Zeppelin 1 or uh, Who's Next or even, you know, like Exile on Main Street. Um, it's more of a pop album, I think. Um, now, it has some really great uh, um, uh, harmonies and lyrics, and if you think about it, if you think about, you know, really get into the... Um, the um, context behind the uh, songs um, it's a lot of uh, you know exploration of uh, you know who am I where am I going what's what's the future hold uh, I mean it's it's certainly influenced um, generations of, uh, of um, artists but uh, I couldn't I couldn't actually say that it's the the, the best album in the rock world um, or, or the number one album. I mean, it, it, you'd have to put it in the top ten at least. Um, of course, you'd always say that if there was no Pet Sounds, would Sgt. Pepper have come out the way mm -hmm. it did? Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I love the album, but I would I would think of it more as a, a pop rock album than than a, a rock album. And uh, I'm. I don't remember what your second part of the question was. I'm sorry. Was there well, you, enough meat on the bone left over when they were done with Pet Sounds? Do you well, think they could have added more to it? You know, I, I think, you know, the Pet Sounds was uh, leading um, leading on into the uh, Smile Project. And, um, um, you know, actually listening to the uh, um, Smile uh, Sessions and the um, the back, you know, the tracks that weren't put out from it, um, it was certainly in a world of its own. Um, but you know, it it was pretty much, I think, the last you know major stuff that uh, that Brian Wilson was doing at that time. And uh, um, unfortunately, uh, commercially, the uh, the neither album did as well uh, smiley smile was brought out of what was left of uh, smile as uh, they couldn't really finish it the way Wilson wanted um, but um, you know I, I certainly kind of think of them as a, a connected uh, projects and, and so I think that was you know probably the the last of uh, what uh, they were going to do with that um, the next subsequent albums from the Beach Boys, well, I think it was um, a Sun, not Sunflower. Um, yeah, what's it called? Best of the Beach Boys came next. Well, the the, the record company put that out in order uh. to have some product for Christmas, I believe. But um, yeah, it's Wild Honey, it's called. Yeah, Wild Honey. Uh. It um, it was kind of they went back to doing some R and B type stuff, so. I think uh, 
I think, you know, that was that was the end of, you know, Brian Wilson's, you know, big uh, projects uh, for the Beach Boys. Now, at what point in your music fandom did you sense there was a turning of the tide, like growing up as a Beach Boys fan, you kind of move into the set and you're like, oh, this is a, huh, this is a little different, a little kind of a little more edgy, a little uh, grittier. What CD or what time did you say, you know what, music has definitely changed the landscape? I think the new wave uh, movement really changed a lot of stuff in punk. Um, it's certainly uh, you know, hearing uh, stuff that was, um, you know, not exactly on key um, was certainly different. Um, certainly, um, you know, towards the uh, late 80s, it was, for a rock fan, it was kind of, there really wasn't much. And then when the grunge movement hit in 90, 91, 92, that was certainly more of a, um, you know, a reemergence, I think, of the uh, the spirit of, uh, uh, you know, rock from the 70s. Now, when you look back at music now and you see that the sounds of the 60s and 70s are still alive because you still have influences from different points, be it rock, be it R&B, Motown sound. Are you surprised that that music from the late 60s, mid to late 60s and 70s still holds up? No, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, if you get a, if you get a song that's got, um, you know, uh, decent, uh, decent lyrics and some interesting, uh, hooks to have you, uh, you know, keep your attention. Um, you know, I, I've heard some uh, some um, remakes that you know. It's like, wow, this this actually sounds a lot better than the original that was put out. Um, but uh, you know, I think you gotta if you got something that's you know decent, it's gonna stand up. It's um, uh, you know. Now, we got to take a really quick break, but when we come back, we definitely will just jump into music and a whole bunch of other things. You are listening to the Black Today podcast with Biggs and Lens on the FPC radio network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with the Black Today podcast with Biggs and Lens. Terrence Biggs, I have two lens, Stephanie and her husband, Pat. Stephanie, to you, when you see someone with such a profound depth of knowledge when it comes to music, as Pat does, has he ever hit you with a musical fact that surprised you out of out of nowhere? Like, oh, I did not know this. Oh yeah, all the time. It, he's he's like a warehouse of music information, and like we've all heard so far, he definitely has opinions, and you know those opinions are pretty well backed up. You know, sometimes he's wrong. But, you know, <laughs> more more about um, other stuff than about music. But, um, yeah, we have a lot of overlapping taste in music. And, um, like, I can tell the story, um, just him being an encyclopedia of music. One time before kids, um, when we lived in Erie, we drove over to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is just about an hour and a half drive into Cleveland. And he was wearing a jean jacket. For some reason, he had a bucket hat on. It was, it was you know, the, <clears throat> the 90s early 2000s, and we were going exhibit to exhibit, and he just starts, you know, talking about, like, we would come up to, say, a cover of a Rolling Stone from back when they were printed, like, newspaper, and he would mention a band that was, like, maybe their name was on the cover, and he'd start telling me stuff about it, and I was just, you know, it's it's him, it's what he does, and I'm listening, and I realized that people are kind of hovering around us, and I think they thought he was a musician undercover because of the bucket hat going through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think they're trying to figure out who he was. So either that or they thought he was a docent or a rock critic or something like that. You know, maybe they thought he was, you know, a younger version of Lester Bangs. I don't know. But um, so it's it's fun to just kind of get him going about music. Like, you know, you had uh, sent the question about mixing up the Beatles and the Beach Boys, and I thought, well, I'm going to give him a heads up on that to see what he'd say. And um, it's just fun to ask stuff like that or you know like if uh, if pink floyd came out today with dark side of the moon and you know just get him to go off and then like maybe an hour later you know be doing something completely out of the blue and he'll come by and say like by the way <laughs> and he's been thinking yes. about it the whole time so it's fun um but like and i sometimes will be like oh did you hear 
about something or so-and-so, and he'll have a fact about someone who you think was signed to the Motown label, but they weren't, or something about some punk band that had, like, one song, no album, that was out in 1977, and he knows about it. So it's it's always fun to talk music with him. All right, Pat, you have to sell me on Fleetwood Mac. I've been a long time to track that Fleetwood Mac. There's something about, there's something about Stevie Nicks' voice that just, it grates on my soul like snow chains on asphalt. <laughs> sell me on why I should give them a third, like a third spin around and try to listen. I don't know if we can hear you that well. I don't, yeah. So, there we go. There you go. Have you ever listened to... Nope, you're out again. I'm out again? Yeah. He's asking if you've listened to Fleetwood Mac before Stevie Nicks, I think. Yeah. Uh, I did, and it wasn't bad. It's just her. Like, she literally is the fly in the ointment of that entire band. I just can't. Like, it just, like, just, mm. It's like chewing tinfoil. <laughs> I can tell you what I like about Fleetwood Mac, and then maybe if the audio problem gets um, solved, it might just be a pulled cord or something. Yeah. Um, if you've ever watched Lindsey Buckingham play guitar, he yes. doesn't play like a regular guitar player. He picks the strings like a banjo player, uh-huh. and that's how he has this really unique sound. I'm a big Lindsey Buckingham fan. His new album is good. It's not his best, but... Um, it's fun to listen to, and he's definitely fun to watch. And if you ever get to see him do Big Love, either live on some of his solo stuff or from, say, the dance tour from around 97, um, or maybe that was around 2003, it was somewhere in there, um, you can see that video and you can get a good up-close look of him playing that way, playing very intensely and doing the singing at the same time. It's pretty mind-blowing. Now, Pat, now one of the things that, it always interests me on how bands age. Some age well, some age poorly. Then you have Grace Slick from Starship after the airplane. Her thought on aging was she doesn't want to see anyone her age on stage. That's why she's retired. Do you think, and in your mind, if you can think of any band that stayed at the party a little too long and should have retired years ago? Hmm. Well... Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. I think the Beach Boys should have retired, to be honest with you. They are, you know, what they got out there right now is, it's Mike Love and, you know, guys playing Beach Boys songs. Um, yeah, I think, you know, after Carl Wilson died, they probably should have put it, should have just uh, closed down shop. They, he, I mean, I think he was, pretty much the spirit of uh, what I think of the Beach Boys, you know. And luckily I, I did get to see them twice um, uh, before Carl died. Um, let's see, other bands that should have called it quits and stayed on too long. Um, actually, uh yeah, I used to think that of the Stones, but uh, from what I understand, they are just phenomenal on this uh, this new tour. Um, I never never did get to see the Stones. Um, 
let's see. I think Van Halen should have should have quit long sure. ago. Yes. Although they, um, I guess they're, I guess David Lee Roth is going to do like five shows before he fully retires. Yes. Um, one of my uh, former office managers had seen the um, reunion with uh, Dave and the Van Halen brothers and Wolfgang, and he just basically said they they just did not sound good then. Um, I'm really that's that's really all I can think of off the top of my head. Stephanie, who would you say that stayed too long at the party? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I I think some bands like that Beach Boys example is because it's so Frankenstein now that there's only one Beach Boy left in the Beach Boys, just because he grabbed a copyright or something. He he calls himself the Beach Boys. Um, I think the drama with Fleetwood Mac has kind of put a period on that. I mean, they've always been a band about drama, and that's part of the fun. But, you know, it's just a case of, well, who wants to go and hear it without Lindsey Buckingham? No one. So, I mean, we, when we went and saw Fleetwood Mac, they didn't have Christine McVie in it, and I was fine with that because I don't care for her songs that much. She's fine, but you know, I, I just want to hear the other songs that they do. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of bands who haven't outplayed their usefulness, too. Like, you would think that maybe they'd be retired by now, but I'm coming coming up blank there. I want to know who you think, Biggs. Oh, <laughs> many. Uh, let's start with Motley Crue. Uh, oh, yeah, they're still around, aren't they? Oh, that's true. They are. I've been a Motley Crue fan since I was – actually, the first time I went to was Theater of Pain. I was 11 years old, and my father trusted me enough to go by myself. Um, and, yeah, it uh, – they – when I moved to Sheboygan 17 years ago, then the following year we have Bratwurst Days. Yes, it's very it's very Wisconsin. It's very that is as what it sounds like. Vince Neil was the headliner. Vince Neil forgot the words to Home Sweet Home twice for the original, the encore. I'm sitting there, I was mad because it was like 88 degrees, I was hot, and I was full on brats and beer, and I wanted to go home. But he really botched the words. I'm like, it is time to go. Then they had their farewell farewell tour in what 2008, but then they came back in like two more times. How how can we miss you if you don't go away? Oh, you know, now thinking about it, Kiss. Oh, yeah. yeah Paul Stanley's voice has been horrible live for years. Um, so I mean, I wouldn't really want to go and and see them. I mean, it, it's a show. I understand, but, uh, you know, whenever the, you, know, you can't, you know, you're not in tune and your your voice sounds like you've, uh, it's been shredded and it's the first song, um, yeah, I think it's it's time to to not do the, the live stuff. Um, so, I mean, you know, you, you know, Vince Neil, what, didn't he fall and break some ribs off stage this weekend or something? Yes, he fell and broke, like, and it happens... A lot, and to the Kiss point, Kiss should have really retired when I saw the video for was it Tears of Falling and see Paul Paul Stanley in like like a pink overcoat and lime green pants with lime green fingerless gloves. That I had enough. I was never a big Kiss fan to start with, but it it was time. They needed to rock and roll all night and go sit down somewhere. It <laughs> it was terrible, and Ozzy, I, Ozzy Osbourne. I saw Ozzy Osbourne for the No More Tears tour. I was like. 18, 
I saw him a few years later, Ozfest, slurring the words after me having to sit there since 9 a.m. in the 90-degree heat, sweltering, just sweaty as anything. And this man couldn't couldn't get through flying high again without note cards. It was over. Like, let, let it go. And it's just, it's one of those things that a lot of people should have let it be. Like, I look at uh, Tina Turner stopped performing a few years ago because she realized her health was her health was failing, and so she decided to do a second love. She teaches dance classes in Switzerland, that's where she lives, and she just sold all of her masters, all all of her rights, all her copyrights, all of them, and like a massive thing she sold in a BMG, and her kids will now get to benefit from all that money. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, that's happening in a lot of the uh, the, the older stars there selling all the rights off uh, lately. Or they're doing a thing like Sting or Rod Stewart and they take a completely different tack and they're trying you know, to be like a crooner or something in their uh, golden years. And for some people it works and for some people it doesn't. Then you get Bruce Springsteen out there still, you know, sweating it every single night. So For, not, for like eight hours on, on stage telling stories that people have heard 15,000 times. <laughs> See, I like Bruce Springsteen. Bruce, it was good. Bruce is good when he Bruce like Bruce with the talking though. He just, I mean, yeah. it, it's although I will say this to his credit, uh, his version of "A Santa Claus Is Coming to Town" may be the best Christmas song of my entire life. Love it. Me true. I didn't like it when I was a teenager, but now I love it. It's just happy, you know, and mm-hmm. it, but no, it's now. Pat, let me ask you this: Who? Do you think in music doesn't receive the adulation and respect they should? Hmm. That's a tough one. We've been we've talked a couple times about uh, Dave Grohl for as good as he is. Does he get enough credit for being as good as he is? I mean, this is a guy who had, you know, he was in the biggest band in the world. And then tragedy struck, then he rebounded, and then he crafted an, another all-time great band. Like, you don't see people who a tragedy happens and they go on. You don't see, like, well, you, you heard less from Ray Manzarek after the passing of Jim Morris. You, you don't see folks go from Mammoth group to mammoth group. You see folks go from mammoth group to, you know, nothing basic. Not nothing, but lesser than. Like, it's one of those things, for me, I think, I never thought I'd say this, but Fiona Apple is criminally underrated. She tells a story, whether you want to hear it or not. It's just, like, her style of song and the style of her her delivery, and to me, singing is about delivery. Now, she's, we found out she's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? She is not. She's not eligible yet. Not eligible yet. She's like two or three more years. And Pat, let me ask you: What one band would people be surprised that you're a fan of? One band. Um, or, Duran Duran. 
It's see, she's surprised. <laughs> he's been married for 24 years, and he's never actually said those words. Look at that. They're a good band. They're underrated. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, they, you know, they didn't get quite the, you know, the respect that they deserved. Uh, there was all the drama and stuff uh, there in the 80s, and you know, they, they've come back and they put out some stuff that was even better than what they originally had put out. Um, um, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I always give uh, give her some... Um, grief? Grief, yeah, that's a nice <laughs> word about being a Durani, but uh, yeah, they, they, I think they didn't get as much respect as they should have. Now, I also know that Stephanie's a cinephile and loves music, love movies so far. Who is, what, what was the last good film you saw? And you're like, you know what, I, I would watch this again. Like that I went to the theater to see or? Either or, how, how, however you want to answer it. I think the last movie he saw in the theater was uh, that Pixar movie with Chris Pratt in it. Yeah, that was the last movie I saw in the theater. <laughs> Um, I can't remember what it was called. Onward? Yeah, that's, On, that's it. Yep. You did watch a great movie on TCM, and now I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. We looked at each other and was like, that was good. And I have no clue what it was. <laughs> well, certainly, you know, I can sit down and watch Good Will Hunting any time. That, uh, that certainly blew me away. I mean, it's, I watched, oh, I guess it'd be The Legend of Shang-Chi or Bias Blackwater. I'm a, I'm a Marvel fan and I, you know, I've, I've come to the realization that, you know, Marvel won't go away because they have 10,000 stories. Now, Stephanie, what was the last good movie you saw? I'm trying to think what the last one that was. I just. Well, you know, I actually, um, at the beginning of the month, sat down and watched from beginning to end Bad News Bears for the first time. I'd seen pieces of it, I'd seen the end, I'd seen the middle, and I actually watched it from the beginning. It's like, this is a really good movie. This is a lot of fun, and, you know, like, um, I wasn't expecting it to be as uh, up and down as it was. You know, sometimes it was funny, sometimes it was serious. Um, it's, you know, our older was in the room with us, and she was a little shocked at, you know, how they were like the kids were drinking and stuff like that and we just the shortcut in our household is Gen Z why are you or Gen X why are you the way that you are and then you just point to the bad news bears or you know, whatever it may be um, so that's one that I saw not too long ago um, actually we watched Django Unchained not too long yeah. ago and uh, you know kind of you know mm -hmm. we knew it was out but you know with kids and stuff you never got to see it and uh yeah, that was when we looked at each other at the end and oh. was like, we need to watch more Tarantino stuff that what, we've missed. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Yeah, we watched that, yeah, too. Yeah. But we watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then I said, you know, we need to just sit down and watch Django Unchained. And yes. Now, which is better? Django. Django. I think Django, too. I like a good revenge story. Django for the visceral reaction. I was like, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a love story, too. Because yes. you want them to end up together, you don't. You don't only want him to be successful in his revenge. You want this, the payoff of that love story at the end. And you now, don't want enough mainstream black love stories on film. Exactly. Now you had mentioned the Bad News Bears. 
I barely remember this, but Jackie Earl Haley, the guy who played uh, Kelly Leak, mm-hmm. he is the current uh, Freddy Krueger. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And he's 5'5". Five, five. Really? Yeah. Yep. Well, he really he's, got a... You know, whenever he hit puberty and his acne, that really hurt his his career. Of course, back then it was all about the the appearance. I mean, mm-hmm. it still is, but uh, yeah, he's a very underrated actor. He is. He plays a good bad guy. Now, unfortunately, I had to do some other job, and one of my other jobs is in the field of mental health and dealing. You know, one of my clients. Uh, like horror movies, so I had to watch Leprechaun recently, like three of them. I uh, cannot tell you how awful these movies are. Never seen any of them. Jennifer Anderson's in the first one, which still stuns me. Warwick <laughs> Davis, Warwick Davis, like holds up this entire franchise. It just, oh yeah, it is. The acting is so bad, but horror movies being. On Halloween, Pat, what is your go-to horror movie franchise? Franchise? Well, Alien's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's, I would, at least the first two movies in that, I would I would say are go-to horror films. Um, first Halloween scared the hell out of me. I knew that was coming. Um, he loves Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> same. Who doesn't? Trading places, just saying. <laughs> he'll do a holiday one, too, for Halloween. He'll watch Halloween, and then for Christmas, we watch Trading Places. Let's see. <laughs> Smart. But I've never seen a, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I've just never had any desire to watch them. Although, I keep saying I ought to at least watch the first one sometime. Johnny Depp. Oh, Poltergeist was on the other night. That's... That's a decent horror movie, I think. It is. There are, like, it's funny with horror, the horror genre is camp, where mm-hmm. I, I remember in the, in the 90s watching this, this these two movies uh, called The Dentist 1 and 2. Corbin Burns in The Dentist. It is so, so bad to watch Corbin Burns act as a, Murderous dentist. It is rules. It just the, <laughs> well better a murderous dentist than a third baseman who doesn't pull his weight. Hey, exactly. Yeah. No, he's third baseman. third baseman. Is he yeah. third baseman? I had it right the first time. Yes, because he's always doing this whole day stuff. Yep. If there's um, ever a chance to drop major league into a conversation, I will drop major league into a conversation. Yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> we have a. We play softball, and one of our new outfielders. Fast kid, he's like twenty. Oh, he's fast. Like, yeah, but he first first time at the plate hits the ball, bashes it right into the ground, and this ball just dies. I'm like, and I and I look at the guy playing third. I'm like, yep, he he runs like maybe he hits like shh. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so we had to work with him the entire summer. But yeah, when I see him, I'm like, yep. And I th- and I actually would tell him every time you hit the ball in the air, you owe push ups. You know, I I had to embrace my inner uh, Lou Brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now, they're still shitty. Yes, they're still shitty. Who are these guys? They're still shitty. Now, Pat, speaking of sport, now as a 
pirate fan? Yeah. <laughs> now, I need... so resigned. Now, well, here's, here's my thing with the Pirates. They play in a cathedral-like beautiful stadium. It is perhaps the best place stadium in all the baseball, like where it's where it's located. It's perfect. They have a history, a long history in that city. Why do they keep having cheap owners? And why can't uh, baseball force them into selling to an owner that will spend money? I wish someone could answer that. <laughs> the, the reason I sighed is there was a, I guess the winning game of uh, the 79 World Series was either on Sunday or yesterday. And, you know, I I remember that night. And, uh, you know, they, it, they just never – I mean, they had a pretty good run there with um, Van Slyke and Benia and Bonds. And I, let's not even talk about the uh, 92 – uh, National League uh, final, no. um, but uh, yeah, just you're right. It's, the stadium at uh, PNC Park is it's awesome, and they just they get players and they trade them away. It's it's a it's a joke that they're the uh, the development uh, franchise for the rest of the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they. The thing is, is the fan. You know, the fans will still go. It's kind of like you know, how the Cleveland fans in uh, Major League were. It's like you know they'll mm-hmm. they'll go and watch them, even though they know they're going to be disappointed. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I never, I was never in Three Rivers Stadium, but I was in um, uh, the stadium in Philly, a veteran stadium. Mm-hmm. And, that stadium and uh, the stadium in Cincinnati and Three Rivers were all basically cookie cutters. And, yeah. you know, going to a game at uh, that stadium in Philly was just, it was it was a horrible experience. And, you know, now you got a stadium like uh, PNC Park, um, but, you you know, the only way you're going to get, uh, you know, people there is if you, uh, you know, really try to, get the team going. I mean, you know, they, they, they probably get a bunch of tax breaks and things like that, but, uh, you know, they're running it more like a business than like a, um, you know, a, a team to succeed. Because for me, I always thought that you have the Roonies who are right there. You would think that the Pirates, I mean, they could, the Roonies are billionaires, I think. I think mm-hmm. they could possibly afford that team too and kind of take them under their wings or buy some of the team. Because it's just weird. Like, uh, growing up, the Pirates were, when I first saw Wild Pitch, the Pirates were good. And then when I was in high school, the Pirates were good. And then they really haven't been since. I mean, you had Chris Benson, and I'm not sure if Stephanie told you Chris Benson's story of his wife, or if now his ex-wife, who's now in prison for a very long time. Um, she went to the, when he was at the Mets, she went to their annual kids' Christmas party dressed as Mrs. Claus, which is fine. That's a common thing. The wife of one player does it. She looked like Mrs. Claus, the showgirl. <laughs> and people were trying to explain to her, and that's not really what happens when you see a five-year-old kid asking, what are those? <laughs> and 
she just, you know, it's it's just one of those things that is odd to me. Now, being in Western Pennsylvania, what is your favorite place to eat, Pat? Like one place where you, if you're in Pittsburgh, you're like, you know what, I have the family here. We're going to eat here. I, I need a plate or bowl of blank. Well, we haven't eaten out very much in the past few years. Um, but uh, there's a chain uh, out there called Max and Irma's. Yes. They were they were always, you know, it was always reliable to, to have something decent there. Um, and it's near the airport, so if you're coming back on a trip and you want to eat before you get home, we'll stop there, and the kids like it. And then there's one in um, Monroeville. And there's um, one in Erie. That's where oh, we found yeah, them. there's one in Erie. There's um, one of everything in Erie. <laughs> I like their uh what's it what's it called? The knockout nachos. Mhm. I love their nachos. It's just it's a random max term. I like cuz there was one in Cranberry. And yeah. through my travels in Western Pennsylvania, I had to, you know, make a couple of trips to, to Cranberry through and on my way to Slippery Rock. Long story with the 90s. But it Western Pennsylvania's food and culture, are, they're quite different from Eastern Pennsylvania. Like people who have never been to your state don't really quite understand that they theoretically could be in two different states. They're completely opposite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's completely different in the East. It is, and it's just it's a different mindset, a different mentality. Now, one of the Where things that... We eat in Philly, we can ask him. You lived there for years. Oh, yes. Like... Now, we know of Geno's, we know of Pat's. Like, what is the local steak, like, the lo- local cheesesteak place that you love? The one you're like, you know what, it's a hole in the wall, it's my favorite. Well, it's it's not open anymore, but there was a, a um, bar called uh, Doc Watson's Pub, which was on uh, 11th and Walnut, and um, they, they had some really good food, and... Um, yeah, we found that uh, they uh, they got sold. To, you know, the business got sold, and I'm not exactly sure what it is now. But it seemed like every time I went back to Philly, places I like to go to had closed. Uh, there's this one uh, restaurant which I can't even remember the Magnolia. name. Magnolia. Yeah, Magnolia's Cafe. Mm-hmm. It was really great, but it only lasted a few years. Um, What's that place on South Street that? Uh, Maybe and that was a hole in the wall. Oh yeah, that was a Tex Mex place. Um hey, I can't remember what it was called. It's he probably was, not open anymore. He was good either. at all the hole in the wall places in Philly back in the day. See, those are the best. There was a hole in the wall bar called Dirty Franks, but you certainly <laughs> didn't want to do anything except have alcohol there. I mean it was a condemned building for I don't know how they stayed open. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me ask you this. When you look at just the course of the rest of the year through everything that America has endured, just what do you think, just on a human level, take that politics, take whatever, just on a interpersonal level, do you think that once the pandemic seems to subside that people will have a hard time communicating on a face-to-face level? Well, I think what's happened is... um People aren't being tolerant of others and not uh, being respectful of uh, differences of opinion. And I think there's a lot more of uh, 
you're either with us or against us sort of thing. And I think that extends into, you know, every aspect of life anymore. I think what what we have to work on is to become more um, more tolerant and respectful of others' opinions and beliefs. Um, you know, it just it's really you know changed over the past forty years that you know I can you know think of how people used to you know, get along even if they had completely different beliefs. But you know, now it doesn't doesn't seem like that happens. It's like, oh, you're not one of us, then oh, the hell with you. you know, I, I kind of noticed that here where it's, I guess I was back in West Virginia, people were actually a little friendly. You know, it was weird to have somebody say, hey, how you doing? I looked around like, oh, hey, hi. Like, it, it's, it's that being caught in a double take, like, but no, it's people don't seem to have the same regard for each other. Now, Tim, let me ask you this: What is the one food that you like to make that Pat is not a fan of? That I like to make? Mm-hmm. That Pat is um, not a fan of. Well, I'm anything with, um, but he doesn't like sauces. Like if I make something that's too saucy, he won't eat it. Or like um, we have a burger night a week at least, and like I've started making this sauce that I'll put on my burger and I can tell that when I get the mayonnaise out he just look on his face like don't come near me with that don't talk about it if someone like messes up a burger order and there's mayonnaise on his burger he will throw the whole thing out rather than take a drop of mayonnaise so um, I I would say anything too saucy in terms of it being like like too much, like like sappy. Like he likes barbecue ribs and stuff, but if they're too sticky and too drippy, that's kind of a deal breaker. But at the same time, like I can make like a, a honey roasted chicken thighs or something on in the stovetop, and if they've got that to them, that's fine. But um, anything like that, like he'll just be revulsed by things. But I mean, I'm sure that he can tell you. He doesn't approve of my overuse of ketchup in his words either. So he's not wrong. This man has great food taste. You married right. Look at this. <laughs> he doesn't mind ketchup, and he uses it, but he, like, he'll, like, say we're prepping each other's dinner or something, and he'll put the ketchup on my burger. I will get the ketchup back out, and he'll just look at me and shake his head. Like, I can't believe I mean, doing that. I mean, Pat, mayonnaise on a burger is just, it's foul. It's just, it should never be a thing that exists in, in, in life. Well, I've told her my, uh, Mayo trauma story. I, I might as well tell it now. Thank I was in, I was in grade school, and uh, it was Burger Day, and they had a condiment um, area next to where you got your trays, and um, this uh, other kid, I think I was about seventh grade, um, gets the, uh, the the tablespoon that has the mayo on it. He's putting mayo on his burger, and uh, goes to put it in. Uh, back into the container it was in, which was basically just this big stale bowl, and I was reaching over to guess, grab the ketchup, and the um, spoon went up my uh, sleeve of my uh, shirt and my oh, no. my uh, coat, and uh, I smelled mayo for days after that, oh. and uh, yeah, that pretty much ended uh, mayonnaise for me. Oh, my God. Um, you know. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches ended whenever we found hairs from the uh, 
cooks in them one day. So. <gasps> oh no. Oh yeah. You know, and these things, you know, they they stick with you. Um, yes. Of course, she doesn't tell you why she puts so much ketchup on things. It's <laughs> because her parents were horrible cooks, and the only way to stomach it was to make it taste like something. Yeah. That's what. She, yeah, she mentioned that she had to like dab it in ketchup, but I'm like. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, for me, I've, I took a long time ago, I took a tour of a, a factory, actually not too far from you guys, that is known for ketchup. And the, the smell got up my nose, and I haven't ever been able to shake it. Ah. You know, um, I spent a, uh, I spent six weeks in Latrobe, um, in a rotation at uh, Latrobe Area Hospital, which is right across a, um, stream from uh, the Rolling Rock factory, and um, the uh, smell of, uh, you know, beer from the factory, um, it, it doesn't smell as good uh, whenever it's that concentrated for so long. Um, it's uh, certainly um, the yeasty smell uh, kind of gets to you after a while, at least it got to me, uh, but I guess you'd get used to it uh, eventually. Summers here, if you've been on to Milwaukee and the wind shifts because it's the home of uh, Miller, wow. you can smell that from the highway to Miller Park, all over the city of Milwaukee, you can smell it. It is bad. It is all. Oh. And when the wind shifts and it's hot and sticky, oh, it just, that yeasty smell. But no, uh, ketchup is definitely not it. I am a burger connoisseur and I go around different places, and there's, there's one burger here that I think that you might like. It's uh, because last Thursday was National Cheese Curd Day, and here in Wisconsin, cheese curd is like the fifth food group. What they did, though, they took a burger, and they put like a, I think it was a grass-fed burger, and then they put a cheese curd the size of the burger on top of it. Oh, my God. I could see me ordering that, the server bringing it to the table, putting it down in front of me, and him just looking across the table and shaking his head and saying absolutely nothing, but just being like, I can't believe it. It is. And the burgers here, and between the, like, Wisconsin's like Midwestern Texas, as far as everything here is bigger, where there's a place here in town, it's called Frankie's. They give you 45 minutes. If you can finish their five-pound burger you can have for free. I have never tried it. I never want to try to finish a five-pound hamburger. Oh, my God. It is literally the size of a hubcap. Or if they have a, a BLT special, they'll use an entire pound of bacon on your BLT. <laughs> There's a place. There's not- a lot of cardiologists that there, aren't there? <laughs> yes. Right now from Coolest Cardiology. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm good. There's um, a place not too far from us in Clearfield, Pennsylvania, that is famous for their giant burgers, too. They have several burger challenges. Um, there's a, a, a couple of two-pounders. There's um, a six-pounder. Uh, there's a three-hour limit on the six-pounder, and there's a 90-minute limit on the um, three-pounder, and that's with toppings, too. Will they reheat it after a certain point of time, or you got to eat it as is? You know, um, I don't know. There's a two-man challenge on a 15-pound burger, and there's a two-man challenge on a 25-pound burger, and you have to give them 72 hours' notice. Oh, my God. 
I mean, why do people, I mean. <laughs> but people, like, it's a tourist destination. People come just to Clearfield, just to Denny's Beer Barrel Pub to try this burger. I think maybe Guy Fieri or something, some show has been there, I know. But I I can't imagine. that. Just a pound burger is beyond my my understanding. A half pound burger is like my absolute upper, I'm starving limit. So I don't know how people do it. Back home, dude. Wings place out of Sharon. Yes. What's that called? Oh, I don't remember. Um, it's not Quaker Steak, right? Yeah, Quaker Steak. Oh. Lube. Yeah, they'd have oh, I like that place. <laughs> oh, no. And, you know, you just have a little touch of the atomic wing, and you don't taste anything for days because your, <laughs> your, your taste buds are gone. There's a place back home in Connecticut called the Worcester Street Pizza. They have a Worcester Street Pizza's 22-inch stuffed pizza challenge. Now, it's $33. The pizza's 11 pounds. It's a 22-inch stuffed pizza with, I'm, I'm going to read these to you, pepperoni, bacon, sausage, ground beef, ham, Canadian bacon, chicken, ground turkey, five types of cheese, six vegetables. Well, there's vegetables. You have one hour to finish it. An hour? To finish an 11-pound pizza. That's bigger Mm -hmm. than a newborn baby. But if you do succeed, you get a free meal, make it free, free hats, picture on the Wall of Fame, and a $50 50 gift card. And a Widowmaker clot. And a Widowmaker, exactly. Free trip to the ER. Or, or, Or probably the morgue. Now, I mean, it is... I think people get too wild with food here because, like I said, I live in Wisconsin. I saw this. They have candy corn bratwurst. I wanted to file a violation with some, like, I wanted to file, like, I don't know who to talk to. I'm, I'm not sure if I should call a doctor, a lawyer, or an exorcist. <laughs> when, when you're there, find your nearest white lady. They always know where the managers are. Please do. Like, <laughs> not, I mean, I want to talk to all the managers, like, I might just grow my hair in that that type of fashion just to cut it, just to have it. And it's just, yeah, candy corn bratwurst. Wisconsin has jumped a shark, literally jumped a shark. Yeah, well, one one person on this phone call eats candy corn. Yeah, well. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. I, 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 I admit that I have some weaknesses. Yep. There are worse things he could do than eat candy corn. That's true. I just, I mean, it could be black licorice. Oh, we can all get on board with that. Yes, or like ketchup on anything. Mm. My girlfriend, my girlfriend puts <laughs> ketchup on salmon cakes, and I look at her sideways like, "You don't really have to be here now." I mean, <laughs> I mean, what did she put coleslaw on this weekend? Oh my, we were, oh my lord, we were in West Virginia and. Her friends made us this giant spread. We're talking about like ribs, collard greens, cornbread, mm. pinto beans. And I'm sitting there eating my plate, and I had the beans separate in a bowl. She walks up with her own bowl, and there's coleslaw and pinto beans. Mm-hmm. Well, you put coleslaw in hamburgers in Pittsburgh at uh, Primanti Brothers. Brothers. Mm-hmm. But what's worse is like she went, well she has said that if even at work close, she would put mayonnaise in pinto beans. 
<laughs> and my whole body cringed. Like, I thought I had an out-of-body experience. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you should try it. I couldn't warm up to that idea if you set me on fire. <laughs> Samantha. I mean, it is. Some girl, I love her dearly. It's just, I just. That's funny, though. It is hilarious. I would have done I'm, it just for the reaction. Like, I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, like, I'm watching her eat. I stopped eating to watch her eat. I'm like, you're really going to eat this, huh? This is, not, this is not a real, this is not a joke. You are straight up serious. I am watching you eat this because you said you would eat it. And she ate it and said, oh, it was great. I just, in my head, I heard, I heard like, the voice of Michael Stipe singing, Everybody Hurts. <laughs> I'm like looking at a window. Everything goes to like uh, black and white. <laughs> a little rivulet of rain goes down the outside. Yes, it is that. It is that exactly happened. It's like, oh, this is what we're doing. But no, it's you know, it's. But she put like she likes she likes her ketchup, but she won't. We have ketchup in the fridge. I just I just look at because when uh, our kids are here. My son loves ketchup. He's oh, I can have ketchup on 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 my burger. I look at him like, who raised you? <laughs> and he put like ketchup on just like just his chicken, and I'm like, oh lord, son, that is on his burger. He's like, oh, I, just, I like a lot of ketchup on my burger, Dad. I'm like, oh boy, oh you need it. Oh, oh, it's but it's it's funny because it's. He's little and it's hilarious, and I can't mock him yet. But when he gets older, he will he will catch his mocking. But I want to thank Pat for joining us. Pat, thank you so much for gracing with your presence today. Oh, you're welcome. This has been another episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast with Biggs and Lens. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Download Pat Sounds.